For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. Please subscribe to the show on all major podcast platforms and follow us on social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders, at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth. How's it going, guys? I missed last week's show, Toby. Uh, things moving along nicely? Yeah, not from a, a West Ham perspective. We've had a couple of losses now. Our usual big six defeats to uh, to Manchester City and Liverpool. But um, ticking along, enjoying the rugby. Florent, I know we don't like to talk about other sports on this podcast, but the Rugby World Cup is keeping well, we, we me do. entertained and you as well. We, we do. We do tend to talk other sports. The Ryder Cups this weekend mm. as well. And uh, yes, I've, I've missed last week's show as I've been out in France at the Rugby World Cup. And I, I get to, got to saw got to see Wales with a record win over a, the worst Australia team in history. Graham, uh, I'm guessing you're a rugby fan as well, Graham. I am. I'm more of an NFL fan, so congratulations to me on Cleveland Browns for a magnificent win at the weekend, getting back to winning ways and going two and one. And also, as we mentioned, the Ryder Cup, Scott, we must say congratulations to the ladies of the Solheim Cup. They retained the trophy, and I did watch a lot of it. It was very, very good. Dramatic ending, finishing 14 all in Spain. So if if we get the same, much of the same this weekend in Rome, it is in Rome, isn't it, TC? I think this weekend. Um, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Well, when, when we're not working. <laughs> Anyway, yes, we are here to talk about football, and I'm guessing you're here to listen to stuff about football, and specifically football transfers. So, 90min.com for all the latest from us, 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news in a written form, and 90min underscore football on the socials for everything that we provide as well. But Toby, Graham, and I are here to talk about transfers today. That's what you're here for too. We'll talk Ivan Tony. We're going to talk a little bit of Chelsea. We'll talk a little bit of Jaden Sancho, Hannibal, David De Gea, Ollie Watkins, Bruno Guimaraes, uh, some Juventus, Son Heung-min, and Federico De Marco as well towards the end of the show. But let's kick off with Ivan Tony. Not playing football at the moment. He's uh, currently serving a ban from football for betting offences and uh, is set to return. He's back in training with Brentford at the moment but is set to return to uh, top-level football in a, at a competitive level uh, in mid-January. So still a bit of time away yet for Ivan Tony, but he's going to be looking to hit the ground running. Question is, where will he be playing? Because Brentford have him, but Chelsea and Arsenal are looking at him, Graham. What's Brentford's position on selling? Yeah, they are open to selling. We know that Scott Thomas Frank was on Monday Night Football like last week, confirming you know, they're open to bids. And you know, every player has a price. And teams who work to analytics, especially like Brentford, every player does literally have a price in their system. The price being floated around at sixty million—that's not what Brentford are hearing. They will not accept sixty million for Ivan Tony. Sources confirming tonight him in. It's way more than that. We're talking about a 27-year-old England international in his prime. 
Yeah, he hasn't been playing the last few months, but that's not down to injury. It's a domestic suspension. We know Chelsea want him. We know Arsenal want him. It's a perfect storm. You know, if you are trying to sell a player in England in January, it is the perfect storm, isn't it? Having Chelsea interested in your player and throw Arsenal in the mix as well. What happens when Arsenal and Chelsea go for a player together? Hmm, let's think the recent history of this aspect. With some football. Brentford involvement as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, and, and I think I think 60 million, when I first heard that, I thought it was too low. We did our checks. That is, that's not what Brentford are thinking at all. It really isn't. I think we're talking 75, 80, even 85 million for Tony. And I think in the current transfer market, you know, I think that's about right, guys. I don't know what you, you think. I, I think 75, 80, 85 is more the correct price. You know, Rasmus Hoyland, what, what did he go for in the end? 70, Scott? Around I think about it was sem- 72 million, including potential add-ons. And we're talking about Evan Tony, tried and tested Premier League player. So I think that, you know, that's the ballpark. Um, so I think Brentford are well within the rights to ask for that. And, and, and they're in a good position where if they don't get the fee met, they won't sell. That won't stop them necessarily bringing in a striker in January. We've done a report as well where they are looking at other options. Wolfsburg's um, Jonas Vind, uh, one of the players they're looking at, um, Marcus Leonardo, who West Ham fans will know, Toby, looking at him as well. So they're doing the, doing the due diligence on who is out there because I think they know they need one long term anyway. But the Ivan Tony situation, yeah, he, I think Ivan Tony really feels like there's a move, possible possibility of a move in January. And it is going to happen. We do know Arsenal have asked about him. We know Chelsea have asked about him. This is a real thing. And I think it could very well happen, but it won't happen at 60 million. Toby, I'm just going to come to you next on, I have a couple of questions, really. It's obvious after the weekend's games that maybe Arsenal and Chelsea do need a striker. Uh, we've known Chelsea have needed a striker for a long time, but there's always been questions about, I see I see the narrative now starting. Gabby Jesus missed that chance in the in a North London derby. That would have probably killed the game off from a Tottenham perspective. He put it over the bar. Does an Ivan Tony miss that chance? Does a or does a, an instinctive, brilliant finisher miss that chance? And that's one question for you. The second question, are Brentford right to be asking for that much money if T- Ivan Tony hasn't played football for six months? I'll address the first point in terms of finishing. I think Ivan Tony does take that chance at the weekend. Whether or not Ivan Tony gets the ball back off James Madison in the yeah, first place is maybe a different story. Um, are Brentford within their rights to ask for that amount of money? I think they are. Again, this comes back to the argument of what the player is worth to that particular club. We will look at Jack Grealish, Declan Rice, other players of that ilk, Moises Caicedo, over the last couple of years have all gone for huge money. That's their worth to the clubs that they've left. And for, and for Brentford, Ivan Tony is clearly their best player. Brentford have actually got off to a bit of a sticky start this season, a bit slow out of the traps, and they look like they're missing that key ingredient up front, which is obviously Tony's goals. Um, scored 20 last season, didn't he? Which was the third highest in the Premier League. My only concern with this is that Arsenal do, they do need a striker and they need a clinical finisher. And I don't think... Gabby Jesus is that. I think if you go back to the podcast last year, we all expressed our reservations about him being the central striker. I think he's very effective out wide, but they need a finisher who's proven to score goals at the highest level when it really matters. Tony's got the goal record, certainly last season and in his seasons in the championship, but it is a different kettle of fish trying to fire a team towards the Premier League title because ultimately... What are Arsenal looking for here? They need a missing ingredient or they need a player 
that can take them up a notch. Now they finished second last year. Is Ivan Tony the player to put your money on to fire you to a Premier League title? I don't know whether or not he is right now. Has he done enough in his career over a long period of time at a high enough level to take that burden of responsibility on? I'm not sure. Would Arsenal want to pay 75, 85 million pounds for a player who up until 18 months ago was playing at championship level or below? Maybe not. Should Arsenal be looking at a player who's already playing for a top tier team, a Dusan Vlahovic, for example, somebody who is proven at the highest level um, and is on the radar of a number of European clubs. You don't see Dive and Tony being linked with the likes of Bayern Munich and all that kind of stuff. They never even considered him when they were going after Harry Kane. So I think maybe Arsenal should be looking beyond Tony in terms of price and what actually they want to get from their striker. But whether or not they go for him, he's there for the taking, right, Graham? I think Brentford wouldn't stand in their way if they did get the money. Graham, can I add another question to that? Mm-hmm. When, if, if this is to happen, when could it happen? Well, obviously, um, we're told obviously it could happen the 1st of January, but obviously the suspension would still be in place. So, you know, um, it's in mid- mid-January, isn't it, where he's back officially. So the, the deal could be done at any time um, in January. I think it depends on the position that Chelsea find themselves in. Um, I think well, I think Chelsea uh, are looking closely. They will go for a striker in January. Whether it's Tony or not, we'll see. Arsenal are doing the homework on him as well. Arsenal, I think, we'll see how the, their forwards do in the next few weeks. Kai Havertz obviously isn't that man. Eddie and Ketia, how I, I'm lost. How is he an England national? I mean, what has he done to warrant a call? What is? I'd love to sit down with Gary Southgate and tell me why you've called him up. Did, did he England get? Squad. Did he play for England? Or was he just called up? I think he was called up. I don't think he played. He's the example, Graham, of a data player. The data tells you that Eddie Nketiah covers lots of ground, makes lots of smart, intelligent runs, puts pressure mm-hmm. on the back line. That's what makes him stand out. It's not his goal record. Oh, We've sat here for a long time saying, why did Arsenal give him 100,000 a week for five years? There was no he remi- proven He reminds me a bit of Ashley Fletcher on that, on that aspect, Toby. He reminds me of Lewis Scotland as well. Ashley Fletcher, where he's got everything about him. He's got height, pace, everything. But it's just, the results aren't there. He doesn't finish. Everything about him suggests him. It suggests he should be a bit shy. But what worries me about Enketia and say on Sunday, um, and Gary Neville made a good point where that, that chance at the back post where he just doesn't have that nous. He's not a fox in the box. What, so what's he do? What is the point of Eddie Enketia? I, I just don't see it. He, <laughs> I didn't expect this to go this way. He's going to cost he's, Eddie Enketia. And I think I think Ateta's looking at this. And we, me, me and you discussed this off pod earlier in the week, didn't we, Toby, where you raised that point. Is Tony enough? But and I said to you, I think those half those half a dozen ten goals that Tony would get from Jenny at the end of the season, that could be the difference, Scott. So it's all those draws you have at the end of the season that Enketia misses these half chances and he'll continue to miss them through his career. Tony will probably take them. Um, so I think that's something they're looking at. Yeah, Vlaovic is an interesting one. We'll touch on him later in the pod as well because they may have missed, missed the boat on that one. But I, I do think they need that fox in the box. They need that striker. I, I think Ivan Tony plays for Arsenal against Tottenham at the weekend. Arsenal win that game. There is uh, Declan Rice was removed from that due to an injury concern as well. Uh, maybe that's Maybe if he stayed on the pitch, Arsenal would have won as well with uh, Jorginho making that mistake, which led to Son's second equaliser. But you, you mentioned some... Uh, we mentioned Chelsea already. 
We've also mentioned potential other striking options. And especially if Chelsea are going to sign somebody in January, might not be Ivan Tony. But there's another name on the radar. He's doing quite well at Feyenoord, Graham. And we, we've talked about him on this podcast before. I think he was on Man United's long list as well in the summer, wasn't he? Yeah, Santiago Jimenez really is making a lot of headlines in Europe. He, he's probably one of the most in-demand forwards at the minute in Europe. You know, Obviously, we know about the Ossimans um, of this world, etc. Lotero Martinez at Inter. They all come with very hefty price tags. Santiago Jimenez... You know, we don't really know the price tag on him, but look, it's at fine odd. He's not going to cost much more than 40 million, really. Um, but he's had a sensational start six goals in five games, uh, which I don't think includes his, um, which is a bit annoying for him. He had a brilliant um hour against Ajax on Sunday when a lot of clubs were there watching him, Chelsea being one of them, Arsenal were there too, and Tottenham, Newcastle were there as well, but they believe they were watching Minter, who's having a very good season actually on loan at Feyenoord, because Feyenoord were 3-0 up before the game against Ajax was abandoned um, on the hour, but Jimenez to that point had scored two goals and had an assist. I think this guy is a real potential superstar. I think he's now up there with the likes of Sesco and Hoyland, Scott, Eddie's up and coming. These are the big new names. But Jimenez is fascinating. I think he's he's really got the goal-scoring record to go. It's a fine order playing wonderful football under Arnie Scott. So keep an eye on Jimenez. He really could be one for January. I think if they progress in the Champions League or do okay, I don't think he'll leave. But if Feyenoord stutter and don't look as if they get into the, the next stage of the Champions League, he could be available in January. And, you know, this is this is the Eredivisie. Every player has his price. As you know, Scott, Ethan <laughs> Hag probably knows too fine well that every player has his price. Um, it's a risk, obviously, buying strikers from Eredivisie. We know it's a bit of a graveyard for players um, coming over. But I like him a lot, Scott. I don't know if you've seen much. I think he's great. Um and I could see Chelsea take I could see Chelsea taking the chance on him, but maybe for January, maybe for the summer. Turns twenty-three in April represents Mexico if you have not seen him already. Uh but yes, uh, causing a big stir scouted during uh the display against Ajax, which I believe was abandoned uh due to mm. I think they're replaying it behind closed doors in midweek, I think Wednesday night. But um yeah, well, uh, the whole, they're, they're doing the whole ninety minutes, Scott, or they're doing I from half an hour. I don't Think so. I, I couldn't tell you. That'd be very harsh. I'd want to be fuming if that's the case, wouldn't it? I don't, I don't think you can do that because it just sets a precedent, isn't it? It's like where some of these foreign games, you just throw a load of fireworks on the pitch and to get the match redone. Yeah. Um, even some English teams might take a leaf out of that book if that's enough to get a game restarted. Uh, but yes, yeah, so let's, let's move on anyway because we have talked strikers for now. We've mentioned Arsenal at length. Chelsea are the other team that we've briefly mentioned. Uh, but let's dig in a little bit more on him because I've, I'm seeing who is to blame conversations happening again. Graham's mm-hmm. favorite, Todd Bowley, uh, is getting perhaps well, he's getting a bit of stick, but I'm seeing it turn mm-hmm. on to Mauricio Pochettino, Toby, as well. Uh, but his team are creating chances, he's just not taking them. And we did flag a number of times. We, I think all of us were quite surprised that Chelsea didn't sign a striker as well as Nicholas Jackson in, in, in the summer. And it's starting to hit them where it hurts. Isn't it? Yeah. But Chelsea don't really seem to have a plan, do they? Pochettino, I don't want to say he's panicking, but 
he's chopping and changing things at Chelsea. That's I haven't watched their games wall to wall, but that's what I'm hearing from Chelsea supporters. He's kind of changing the system that they played in pre-season. Some of that is down to injury and they have lost key players. Christopher Nkunku is missing. Reese James is missing. But, you know, they've benched their vice-captain Ben Chilwell for the last couple of games. There's no coherency still about anything that Chelsea do. Um, still murmurings about board members going into the dressing room after games. It's just all these little niggly things still going on in the background at Chelsea. And they didn't fully address the fundamental issues in the transfer window. Graham said it all along. A goalkeeper and a striker is what they were crying out for. And they've ended up with Robert Sanchez in goal, which absolutely was not the plan or can't have been the plan at the start of the summer. And Nicholas Jackson, who looks to be brutally honest, a bit out of his depth at the moment. Um, Undoubtedly, there's a player with potential in there, but he can't shoulder the burden of leading Chelsea's line at this stage, not when they're desperately trying to pull themselves out of this year-long rut that they've been in. What is it? Five, six games they've won this calendar year? It's dismal. And you're right, Scott, the tide is turning against the manager. I don't think it's his fault, but this is what happens at Chelsea, right? You don't get time. Uh, to turn things around really until the heat um, turns on the manager. I don't think it is Pochettino's fault, but that's just... I I don't know about you guys, but I think there's so many similarities between Chelsea and Man United at the moment. Like, Mm. so many of them. Uh, Injuries, you look at the fact that no... You could maybe argue that the Chelsea style is there, but obviously they don't have a complete team. The difference is you have an owner's ownership who have a plan of signing every good young player in the world and then another ownership who are looking to make as much money as they can but i suppose that's the that's the grand plan for those owning chelsea long term as well graham how do you uh how do you digest the chelsea situation because you you love pochettino yeah i do and yeah I, I see the similarities with united you know it's got you know two two very good managers who if they were just given free reign the two clubs would be much better off, really. They would. Um, it's the interference from a hierarchy who think they know about football, who get involved. You know, this this Chelsea, as, as Toby said, there were gl- glaring needs in this Chelsea squad. A goalkeeper and, and number nine were paramount. They really were. All these Chelsea fans we had, and I know I, I was I, I was having a bite back at them in pre-season. To, Nicholas Jackson is not a Premier League starting number nine. This is a guy who almost joined Bournemouth. No disrespect to them in January, you know, and 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 they rejected him because he failed the medical. He is not good enough at the moment. He, you know, he's not better than Armando Brogia. You know, that's not doing a disservice to either of those players. They're just not good enough to start for Chelsea at number nine. They had a chance to take. Dusan Vlaovic, oh, you don't think he's good enough for you? Well, take a look at the Italian goal-scoring charts now. See, look at Dusan Vlaovic and what he's doing in Italy right now. I think he's good enough for you now. They should have gone out, just got Ossiman or got Vlaovic or got Lautaro Martinez. There was there was strikers out there to get. There really was. There was, there was players out there who Chelsea could have gone and got. You know, they spent stupid amounts of money on some players. You know, Caicedo, the other spent on... A little bit, however, you can much you can argue that they overspend on Lavia. And if you had all these money up, they probably could have signed another striker. And and the money was probably there to do it. And then signing Brighton's number three to play in goal. It's a Chelsea football club. It's some ridiculous decisions. And that's similar to what United did, Scott, in, in, in some regards, where panic buying towards the end, suddenly you, you, you had they had a plan and it went awry. 
Um, yeah, some of England's biggest clubs and most successful clubs are just being run like run like a joke at times, and it's not good enough. And and the likes of and that just in stark contrast to the likes of City, Arsenal, Liverpool to a certain extent. You know, they don't have to do anything to get ahead of these teams because <laughs> you know, they just stand still. Like City, City I, I, I think City, I wonder if City's hierarchy ever jokes say, so what, should we just not do anything this summer? And I imagine we'll still be taking strides away from these teams. And they will. Um, uh, we're just making life easier for these other teams. Um, the top three, I think the gap with the top three and the rest is bigger than ever now. Um, to- the only ones I can see getting there are uh, obviously my tips for the top four, Scott Tottenham. They were um, getting there. They, they, yes, you said they if they don't yes, have Harry Kane, they uh, well, I think you'll see the evidence on 90 Min that they were my tip for top four and they will be there. Um, I love what Angie's doing. I think um, they're the ones who will threaten top four, and I think I don't see anyone top five. Um, most likely going to be a top five, yeah, yeah, to get top five, and yeah, that might be the hope for some of these teams. Um, but yeah, but on to Chelsea, yeah, they they need to do stuff in January and, and I think they will. I think it's ridiculous to blame Pochettino at the moment. Um, you know, some of the decisions are just, um, unless he's played a hand in some of them, you know, even like the sassy signing, he, it just annoys me. He's no better than Trevor Chalabar. What an absolute waste of money he is. There's better players in England than him. They really, he's, he's an, I tell you what, United, Scott, I bet you bring a huge sigh of relief. If you'd brought Desassi into that United squad, can you imagine the disaster at that play? He is a bang average Premier League defender and they've overpaid for someone else. United um, have Johnny Evans, Graham. Yeah, I, but when you're saying Desassi, Scott, you're thinking, God, imagine us bringing him into a place, Maguire. He's, he's not better than Harry Maguire. He's not. Toby, uh, this is Chelsea's run. Fulham away, Burnley away. Arsenal, Brentford, Spurs, Man City, Newcastle, Brighton, Man United, Everton away up until mid-December. That is, they have five points from six. I mean, they can't score. I think they're they're in the bottom four, I want to say, for the calendar year in terms of points. I think they've won six games in 38 or something. Like, is this that bad? What happens now? They must beat Fulham and they must beat Burnley. I think it's that simple. They've got to address this form sooner rather than later because that is not a great run of fixtures they've got coming up. And they're missing key players for injury that we've already touched on. Um, They've now got a suspension. Malagusto is going to be out suspended. It's hard to see where they turn from here. It's hard to see who's going to score their goals. I think this is the age-old thing. If it's not Nicholas Jackson... Who else is going to score the goals? Mudrick looks woefully out of touch. Noni Madweke is not getting a look in. Signed an eight-year deal. <laughs> not getting a look in. Um, also Raheem sold Sterling. by Pochettino at Spurs. Yeah, right. that's. I wonder how that sits with him. Just psychologically. It's probably not at the forefront of his mind, but in the back of his mind, he must be thinking this as a manager who didn't rate me then. I think he's only played two of their Premier League games so far this season. Um yeah, they've got to start picking up points immediately, Scott, because you don't want to say they could be in a relegation battle, but they could be cut adrift from the top six pretty quickly. And this happened last year where they were 10th or 11th. And that was after, what, 18, 19 games. And we thought, wow, they're already out of the running to get. And they didn't really improve. If At least they had Champions miss, League. <laughs> absolutely. If that, Imagine if they miss out on European qualification for next season. 
with the squad that they've got and the money that they've spent, that's an unmitigated disaster, isn't it, Graham? Because the revenue that you get from being in European competition, the pull of the club as well, to not be able to offer any kind of European football for the second year in a row, unfathomable. Yeah, it is. But I think they have. They will see the January window as a time to correct what the, what gone wrong. And now I think it's, you know, they're only a couple of signings away from, you know, they were unlucky to lose Fafana because I think going forward, Fafana and Colwell, they've got a world-class, potentially world-class back four, but it's keeping them on the pitch with James and Showell, obviously, as you said, Toby, we don't know what's going on there. If they get to January, just get the goalkeeper in, get the number nine in. And I, I don't think they're a million miles away. Um, but January is a long way from now, isn't it? When we say address things in January, though, they'd have to sell players, right? To be able to bring more in, they've still got a very bloated squad. They'd have to get rid of some players and they're tying them all down to what seven, eight year deals. A lot of them only arrived last year. <laughs> I think there's a lot of potential loans. You know, Armando Brogia, is he going to stick around? I could see him going in January. You know, I don't think he's going to go. Washington will probably move on loan. I think there's avenues there, Toby. I think they, you know, I think there's options options there for them. There's room for a goalkeeper. They've got the number two goalkeeper long term in goal now. So bringing in someone ahead of him, I don't think it's an issue. And, and I think they did quite well in moving a lot of players on. To be honest, you know, they did a good job in moving Kepper on. But then, <laughs> Sanchez, Sanchez to come in as number one, it just defeats the object, doesn't it? They may as well have kept Kepper. Anyway, let's move on. Just uh, want to say a brief note that Nicholas Nkunku is the player that everybody's pinning their hopes on. Given how successful Chelsea science has been so far, there's no guarantee that Christopher Nkunku works in the Premier League either. So I just wanted to point that out. Anyway, let's move to I another hope, transfer. Yeah, I, hope, I hope it's not the Christian Nkunku I saw in that two legs against Rangers. As you know, guys, he, he did not impress me in those games or anyone, but... Um, yeah, on that left hand side. I don't see him but I don't see Kunku being the improvement on a Palmer, Sterling, etc. He's a good player, he really is, but he's not gonna come in and score twenty goals for him. We'll see. Uh talking about we've just spent some time on some signings maybe not going so well. Graham, I think we, we always thought Jaden Sancho would work out just too good, really. It is not working out at all, is it? No, um, it's a strange one, Scott. You know, a player who we both both liked long before he came to United. You know, I, still like him. I still like him. As yeah, a player. I do. In the Bundesliga, in come on, I I don't think United. You know, and and again, it's just I liked Anthony as well. I do like Anthony as well when he signed. But did you need them both in the squad? That's probably questionable, um, especially the amount of money that's been spent on them both. But both both excellent players. But you wouldn't really have them both together. The central situation is just ongoing. Um, our understanding is the hierarchy, you know, the chance to move this up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Bubba Scott to try to get him to basically apologize. And basically, Elton Hag left it in, in Sancho's court. He's not going to be involved in the first team until he apologizes. He hasn't done that yet. Um, it's how I understand that coaches, high, members of the hierarchy, and members of the first team squad are, are trying to help things over 
Um, smooth over, as we said. They're trying to convince Sancho that he needs to apologise to get back involved. Otherwise, he won't be with the first team anytime soon. And from what we're hearing, Scott, um, Sancho's not on the brink of apologising. So let's hope it's resolved soon. But um, how long's a piece of string? No, I, I personally, I can't see any other way than in January he leaves. And it's pretty, pretty early. Uh, even if they do magically smooth it over for a couple of months at least. Uh, but yeah, Jaden Sancho not in the mix uh, for Man United at the moment after the fallout with Ten Hag. And uh, tell me, what do you make of it actually? Like, just talking about this, I mean, you know, Ten Hag's trying to set a precedent, trying to set rules for a club that hasn't had rules really or discipline for a decade. Uh, and Sancho's not meeting them. Where do you, where do you, how do you see it? I, th- I think there has to be a threshold of standards. I think it's unfortunate that Jaden Sancho appears to be a bit of a scapegoat in this situation. And a player who was already low on confidence is the one who's at the centre of a bit of a storm. Um, if this was happening to any other player, would it be as publicised as it is? But because it's Jaden Sancho, I think it's Maybe being elevated. <laughs> yeah, I just, think, I just think the pressure that comes with the fee... Um, that he arrived for. And look, let's not forget, United were tracking Jaden Sancho for two years to play on the right wing. He then mm-hmm. arrived at United, having been playing on the left wing for Dortmund for essentially the last 12, 18 months of his stay there. And he was competing with Marcus Rashford for a place on the left-hand side. It's almost as if he's been set up to fail since the moment he arrived at United. And I don't think he's got a fair crack of the whip in the first team on the right-hand side. United have obviously brought Anthony in and spent over 80 odd million to do that. Is Sancho ever going to be a first team regular, Scott? I think is my question because Marcus Rashford is in it for the long haul. Signed a new five-year deal. He's your highest paid player. His favoured position is starting out on the left wing. That would appear to be Jadon Sancho's number one position. So just looking at it from the outside in before you even get into the intricacies, will Sancho ever be a first team regular for you? I you don't even, see it now. You haven't even mentioned Garnacho there, and that's a, that's his favourite position as well. Yeah, <clears throat> and I'm seeing the United frustration about him not being involved so much in recent weeks. But yeah, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did an interview recently and said pretty much that Sancho's preferred position is on the left. But as you point out, Toby, they <laughs> they signed him to play on the right, so indication of uh, and, that, and they knew this, right? Again. Yeah, they knew this. It wasn't a earth-shattering news that he liked playing on the left. He'd been doing that for Dortmund for well over a year before he arrived, yet they still persisted and pushed through that deal. Um, I think for, for me, I mean, like I, I think Sancho does need to, you know, whether he means it or not, swallow his pride and apologise. But like United aren't without guilt in this as well. Uh, and obviously we should all, there's a, difference between you know being in a workplace and having to do what you have to do in order to work and i'm seeing Jaden sancho deleted his instagram profile today so I can, I can imagine you know that that's probably come from tons of comments that he's getting on his posts which is you know it's a, it's a fine line here but obviously we wish Jaden sancho as the best obviously because we we know how difficult that can be in that situation, but there's a there's a balance to strike there, which United, I think United are doing what they what they need to do for the good of the club. But moving on to uh, Graham, I think you wrote this story last week. Hannibal Medjbri played at Burnley. New deal possible for him? Yeah, um, 
It's interesting when it's got his current deal technically expires in 2024, but you know, they've got the option, he won't be going anywhere. So, yeah, um, they like him. Eric Tenag likes him a lot. I shouldn't, he's involved now, Scott, isn't he? He's one of these where I don't think he's viewed as a potential world star, but he's you know, United, um, over the years have been very good at producing these these squad players for want mm. of a better word. You know, we had the McTominays, the Fletchers, yeah, and Nicky Butts. You do need these players. And I think Hannibal fit, ticks that box. Um, homegrown, he'll become a homegrown product. Um, and obviously, he's he's involved now. It shows he is impressing Ten Hag. So it's our understanding, yeah, they're, they're open to a new deal, talking to him, and, and they think it'll get done. Um, they won't be letting him go. Um, and I think the fact that Ten Hag is using him, Scott, I think probably does highlight the fact that he will get this new deal. And, and he's in the round. I like him as a player. I think he's combative. Um, and... In the championship last season... Yeah, he, did, he did, did well. He yeah, he was good. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. And it's not just because of his hair, but he did stand out in games. He did take games by the scruff and neck, which I liked actually. He wasn't just sat, you know, where similar to, to Billy Gilmore, the Chelsea, when he was out on loan, he was a bit tepid. And, and, and even Harry Skip, when I saw him, he was a bit the Spurs guy. They were a bit, Ollie you know, stand, Ollie Skip, sorry, they were a bit standoffish. It's just default to call. Yeah, players, Harry. <laughs> but Hannibal Hannibal was, was getting involved and he wanted to be on the ball. He was involved, he was committed. And, and yeah, I like him. I think he's got a lot of United traits about him. And um, I think I think he will stay in science. Scott. I think um and that, and that's good for the club. You need to keep these players about. You can't let them all go. And I don't know whether you like him or not, but I, I think he's a good player. I mean, I think that United pinning their hopes on maybe Kobe Manu as being the, the one player who can become mm. that established midfielder long-term. But like you say, Graham, you know, uh, they need more energy in there. That, that, that's something that they're, they're lacking, really. And he does bring that. He's got a bit of technical mm. quality as well. So, you know... Because how long how, how long is Ericsson going to be around for, Scott? McTominay, I, I could see he, Ericsson leaving he leave? in the summer. Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's still got to be a lot of moving parts in United's midfield. Yeah, totally. I, I like him, Scott. I think against Burnley, he showed a lot of desire to get on the front foot as soon as he received the ball. His first thought was turn, get at the defence. Yeah. Uh, covered some good ground, and I think he could actually help unlock Bruno Fernandes' goal scoring this season if he does play more games. Um, Bruno obviously pushed further forward alongside Hoyland, scored a terrific volley. Um, yes, yeah, just energy. I think that United have been lacking in the early weeks of the season. He had that in abundance at Burnley. So, a useful squad player, as you say, Graham. I'm not sure he will be a first team regular for years to come, but I think. Imagine the fans like him, Scott. Yeah, I think, I think there's what United fans want to see. It's tradition, yeah. you know. They, they want to see players from the academy given a chance. You never know what people could become. You know, there's a lot of love for Johnny Evans's performance at Burnley on Saturday as, as well, which is uh, which is nice. But another long term favourite, uh, David De Gea, is not with Man United anymore. And still does not have a new club, Graham. What's the how does it stand on his future? Because you know, there was a big debate on should you not keep him? And nobody's nobody's bit. No, he has well well say that. He had, he has had offers, he's turned them down. Um from Saudi Arabia, Qatar. What Cristiano Ronaldo's should be trying to woo him to take him to Al Nassar, but doesn't look as if he's that keen on doing it. You know, there's offers if he wants to go to MLS, etc. It looks like he wants to go back to Spain at this point, but he's 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 open to offers. Um, there are a few teams in Spain have shown interest, but as it stands, he's also considering retirement. I think he's a bit young yet, but it is an option. You know, he doesn't need the money. He's a very wealthy guy. 
like most Premier League footballers are. But yeah, he's he's keeping his options open. I think we'll get to January. I don't think he'll make a decision before January. He might, but I don't think he will from what I've been told. So we'll see where we are come then. He, he's, he's so, no, this is the, the Premier League Golden Glove winner, you know. Um, for me, if, if I was Chelsea, I know I, I know who I'd be calling. I, 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 would, I would. If I was Chelsea, I'd be bringing him in tomorrow. If I was Chelsea, I'd be bringing David De Gea in tomorrow. He's far, far superior to Robert Sanchez. He's a free transfer. I think it's an absolute no-brainer for them, personally. But um, De Gea is very loyal to United. Would he move to another Premier League club? We don't know. <clears throat> let's uh, move around. Done a bit of United now, but let's talk Newcastle United. They just beat Sheffield United 8 0. Who saw that one coming? I mean, Graham, you probably did, to be honest. Um, not really, because I do I've done a, a few different different shows. I do think I still think it's the case that Newcastle are missing that number 10. Um, I did get a text of someone saying, ha ha, they do, definitely don't need a number 10 along along those lines. But I said, well, the fact I mean, Sheffield United doesn't point to the fact that you <laughs> that you have a number 10. I still think they do need one. But no, it was a good win. But yeah, um, one of the key players in that win, Bruno Guimaraes, finally um, looks like they're getting through to him in terms of contract. It's agreed in principle, we're told, Scott. Um, verbally agreed with the player. He'll be signing that soon. You know, they wanted to get this done before January. Um, they were, and, and they are aware the team's looking, you know, Man City, Real Madrid, etc. Um, it's, it's a really interesting one. Um it's our understanding as well, Scott, on the Gamara's deal that it was a clause in another player's contract that needed resolving first before Newcastle could deal with it, which explains why there was a bit of a hold up here because they've been they've been talking to Bruno for like nearly a year now. He, such was the impact he had when he arrived in January 2022. But that's been resolved, and so that's getting another deal. He'll become the highest earner at the club, and yeah, everyone's happy. Um, he's been such a sensational signing for them since he arrived. You know. Arguably, it plateaued a little bit this year, but his performances are still at an incredibly high level. They really are, and uh, he's he's key to everything Newcastle want to do. Yes, he is indeed. Another new contract story, Ollie Watkins, as well. We did I just jumbled the order a little bit, but Ollie Watkins yeah. scored the winner at Chelsea. We spoke about Chelsea at length already in the podcast, mm-hmm. um, but Unai Emery happy with him. Yeah, why wouldn't you be? You know, his record since he arrived at Villa is double figures every season. He really is an outstanding um, player, England national now. Since it's this all since he moved to Villa, he hasn't had a new contract since he moved there, and a lot of things have happened since then. Lots of goals. He's become an England national, so he is worthy of the steal. Again, they were talking early this year when it first happened, and they were close to a deal in Easter. For some reason, I think Villa are claiming off-field stuff and obviously they've changed the um, directors of football. They have a president of football operations in Munchy now who's overseeing this. Villa are confident this gets done, but they do need to get it done because he's got less than two years left on his deal now. And, you know, we talked there about the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal looking at Ivan Tony. Why wouldn't they be looking at Ollie Watkins? So that's another reason that Villa need to get this done. And then they know that and it is happening. So they're confident this is done before January. Because by that point, he would only have 18 months left on his deal. Toby, no West Ham section today. We don't have anything in the running order. But we just talked about... Well, I saw Lucas Paquetta was getting a lot of love the other day for his Anfield performance. But, I mean, talking Aston Villa, like Newcastle might be a bit of a 
a bit of a jump, but surely West Ham should be looking to compete with the likes of Villa here. Yeah, I think they're very much in the same kind of boat. I think West Ham and Villa now should be setting their sights on qualifying for Europe every season. So it's the third year in a row that West Ham are in European competition. Villa dipping their toes back in. Um, I compared Villa trying to tie Ollie Watkins down to West Ham trying to tie Jared Bowen down to a new long-term contract. He's on the he's on the list, I would say, for teams in the perceived big six. Whether or not Watkins and Bowen would get regular game time at those clubs, I don't know. They'd be exceptionally handy squad players, but I think they'd be the marquee players to lead West Ham and Villa, respectively, into European competition for years to come. So for Villa, um, I think it's just preservation of value number one trying to tie Ollie Watkins down now it stops the chatter as well Graham doesn't it about Watkins's future if they get to 18 months you can see more and more links emerging whether or not Watkins will get a gig at those big teams I'm not so convinced to be honest I think Villa is probably the peak of his level but it's a smart thing to do to tie them down um, same with West Ham and Jared Bowen just stops the noise and I think those are the kind of players that West Ham and Villa can build around in the future. I, th- I think it's the, the one dangerous thing for Villa and probably why I'm trying to push it. If if Ollie Watkins does see Ivan Tony being linked to Arsenal and Chelsea, is is Ivan Tony that is he be- is he better than Ollie Watkins? I, I'm not sure. I I think it's a bit of chalk and different cheese. Pl- really. Different type of players, Diff- but yeah, you know, but fair point. I, I I I would personally take Watkins ahead of Tony, given. The goal scoring record, I say he's hit double figures every time he's been at Villa. I think Tony, um, you do have to look at off field stuff as well. Um, it's interesting. I think very, I say where they are in their career is very similar, but I think if I'm Molly Watkins seeing Ivan Tony linked to Arsenal Chelsea, really, why not me? Yes, indeed. Uh, let's move abroad a little bit. We'll come back to England shortly, uh, but we're looking at Italy towards Juventus. We mentioned Dusan Vlajevic already in this show as a potential target or form of, well, a target for Chelsea and other clubs in the summer. Arsenal tried to sign him before. Uh, but Juventus are looking to tie him down to a new deal along with another of their most famous names, Graham. Yes, Federico Chiesa. I, I always say Enrico. Enrico Chiesa. Shows my age. Shows my age. <laughs> I said it to my to son. To be fair, me and, me and Toby grew up with Enrico Chiesa. Chiesa which yeah. We did. Yeah. I said it to my to my to my to my young son the other day, and he just stopped me and said, "Who's Enrico Chiesa?" Like, oh, God, he was um, good as well. The, he was. Right? He was. Really? He was. He, they played well together when he's more of a central goal yeah. whereas Federico is on the left. Federico started the season wonderfully well. Four goals, uh, five appearances. I think twenty twenty five. His deal is up, and they're working hard to do him a new deal. You know, um, Juventus are working hard to get back. To where they were, they've had a lot of off, off-field issues, Scott. And and the big thing for them is they brought in um, Cristiano Giuntuli, who was at Napoli. And the the thing with them is the players are really happy with him. He's really got Juventus sorted off the field. You know, Kiesa and Vlaovic, they were looking to leave. Um, they really were. Um, if not this January last summer, they were talking about it. But now he's got it sorted. Kiers is very close to agreeing terms now, I believe. Talks are ongoing. And Vlaovic will be soon after him. He's got another year left, so Kiers is ahead of him in terms of the talks. But as you truly sees these two as key to Juventus going forward. And you have to agree. And both of them have started the season 
brilliantly. Both both four goals each. Um, Vavic even an assist. Vavic, you know, I, I joked about where Chelsea must be looking at this now, thinking what if? And a lot of teams are probably. I think everyone was doing Vavic a massive disservice in the summer, dismissing these. But there's a reason, as we said, that Mikhail Teta and Arsenal have always liked Vavic. They tried for him. And I don't think we're doing it now because I think Vlavic will end up staying. I think it's a different situation now with him, Simakiers. And, and Juventus is interesting. You know, they've got Rabiot there as well. We're hearing there's nothing to do with his contract yet, but he's playing well, he's happy. I think a lot of you know, a lot of these key players for you will end up staying because, as in football, they are happy. Um, obviously, we do have the Paul Pogba situation to tackle going forward at Juventus, but Gentili's come in there and they needed someone... You know, I think Chelsea and the attitude look at the situation where they need someone really to get this right off the field upstairs, someone disciplined, someone knows football. And he's in a short space of time, he seems to have got this sorted out. Uh, could Kefren Turam be joining them, Graham? Fascinating, isn't it? Turam. Um, amazing we haven't seen him linked to more with Juventus. Talk about the Paul Pogba situation. Juventus clearly are looking at options. Even if Pogba isn't suspended, you know, he's going to go to Saudi Arabia at some point in the near future. We know that. We discussed it on the show. He's one of the Saudi Pro League's top targets. We know that. So UV are looking around at possible additions. Um, Manu Kone at Gladbach, out injured, so I had to look at him. But Kefram Turam is a player who Juventus like a lot. You know, his dad, Lillian, um, would love him to go to Juventus. Keep an eye on this one. It's got like Tottenham have been watching him this season. He was a target for Liverpool, who were keeping an eye on the situation. They'd like to know how he's doing. Um, so wouldn't write a future move for them. But as it stands, Juventus like him a lot. And this this could be a January one for them. Yes, indeed. Let's move on to well, move back to England. And we're gonna jump back to Italy towards the end of the show. Federico De Marco we'll talk about in a second, but uh Tottenham. Toby, do you buy into Ange Ball? Are they? He's getting. I'm seeing a lot of everybody saying, like, "Oh, Ten Hag still hasn't instilled a style." And Man United has been over a year. Um, Pochettino's barely doing it with with Chelsea, but Ange has done it in six games, and they're going to win everything. I like what I see from Spurs. Um, they're a completely different side to last season, but I would like to temper the excitement a little bit by saying they've played an undercooked Brentford side so far this season. Bournemouth, who haven't won a game. Burnley, who haven't won a game. Sheffield United, who haven't won a game. Those are amongst the teams that Spurs have beaten. North London Derby was the first time, really, that we've seen Spurs tested. Okay, they played United, but it was a very off-colour United. And if, if that... I'm not, I don't want to bring penal, uh, referees into this, but the that Romero penalty that was given the other day, exactly the same thing in the in the United game, which was yeah, at nil nil. United no, were on top in the first first thirty minutes. Yeah, so no it changes the game completely. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry. sure Gary O'Neill, Gary O'Neill say the same thing as well, Scott, about his all <laughs> traffic. Gary O'Neill does not like referees, does he? Oh, um, he's on the end of some stinkers, isn't he? At the minute, do you? Yeah, I do feel for him. But look, Spurs are playing well, Scott. I don't think you can get away from that. Oh, of course. However. Yeah. The teams that I've listed are a factor. What I also would say is that Spurs have mirrored their start to last season. Things went downhill massively under Antonio Conte, but they also picked up 14 points from their first six games last year. So this is an uncharted territory for Spurs. They're used to getting off to hot starts. The challenge now is going to be keeping up the momentum. They've got Liverpool next 
at Spurs. So that would be a huge test, I think, of where Spurs really are. Um, two unbeaten sides, Liverpool in form. But they're clearly better to watch and they have a more defined style and it's getting the best out of their players. James Madison has settled in very quickly and Son Hyunmin, who we're about to talk about, the style of football clearly suits him and I think his goal output is going to skyrocket this season because he's going to get into better positions than he did last season. And hey, look, he still had a decent goal scoring year last year and that was a poor season for Son. So there's promising signs, but I don't think we should be getting carried yeah, away. Just I mean, yet. just... Uh... The Liverpool game is a, another big test for them. Should be quite entertaining the way Liverpool are playing at the minute as well. And uh, I suppose it works in Spurs' favour that they're actually out of the League Cup already, which has been glossed over as well. Uh, they're out of the League Cup. They don't have European football to play, so they just got the Premier League to concentrate on until January, until the FA Cup starts. So they can really give it a go. And uh, Sonny is the lead man, Graham. Will he be staying longer? Yeah, you know... He's um, his current deal is twenty twenty five. I believe there's an option on that as well. But yeah, they're going to recognise him. They, there's no no worry here. There's no massive hurry to get a new deal done. But they are holding talks. Could be done soon. But if it's not, it's not a huge worry. Um, he's loving life. That was the big thing. I'm told that obviously the, any new deals at Tottenham, we have to see the relationship how it is between Ange and that player. With Son, we're told it's brilliant. Son loves playing this role. The central role looks it looks made for Son, doesn't it? At the moment, I, I saw him at Burnley and it was terrific. Brendan Johnson, I thought for his first game, looked great. I, I still I like Kulisevsky a lot, but I still think they, they could upgrade to someone upgrade to someone more suited to that system. I think Kulisevsky is very good, but I think someone else might be better suited to that right hand side role. But a good squad player nonetheless. Um, I, I think they look great, and the players are really happy. Um, but because they're getting results as well. But as Toby said, we have to be guarded. But yeah, if Tottenham can get a Son deal done, we're told it could be quickly. But if it doesn't happen straight away, there's not a huge worry. He's not going anywhere, as we know. Final topic. Is Federico DiMarco coming to the Premier League, Graham, with uh, Man City interested in him previously? And Chelsea also, uh, you know, not sure what's happening at left-back there, really, because Ben Chilwell is, as Toby mentioned earlier, a little bit out of the picture. You got Levi Colwell filling in there. You got Cucciarella, who they nearly offloaded to United in August or September. I can't remember when it was. Um, but DeMarco is doing well at Inter. Could maybe mm. fill in that position. Chelsea, Man City interested potentially, but will he resign with Inter? Inter hoping so. You know, he he has been a real success story for them in the last eighteen months. He's outstanding. He's playing really well for Italy. And, and City, as we we reported um, early in the year, they like him a lot. He can he can play down that, anywhere down that left hand side. He's very good defensively, which City do like from the fullbacks. The thing with Chelsea's interest is fascinating, as you mentioned, Cucciarella. He he looks like he'll be on his way in January. He's one of the players we're talking about where um, he could be moved on. But Ian Matson. We talked about him on the pod in the last mm -hmm. few weeks. Still no new deal for him. His contract expires at the end of the season. So there's a good chance if he hasn't signed by January, he'll be gone. So Kutrell and Madsen, suddenly everyone's thinking, oh, Chelsea, why would they sign another left back? Lewis Hall, another one they've let go to Newcastle. If Madsen and Kutrell goes, they need another left back. So I think that's why Inter are thinking here, you know, DeMar, one of the best left backs in Europe. Um, could we see Chelsea coming in? 
yeah, they like him. They've been doing the homework on him. They are doing the homework on left backs. And if you are looking at the best available left backs in Europe, DeMarco is near the top of that list. So it's no surprise to me to see Chelsea linked. Um, so yeah, we'll keep an eye on this one. But as I say, Inter trying to get it done. They're trying to get him signed up before the January window. All I'd say on DeMarco is that he's excelling playing as a wing back, right? Yeah. Inter have long played <laughs> three centre backs, and we're talking about Poch's crisis about what formation to play. <laughs> Ben Chilwell doesn't seem to be his favourite in a back four, but Ben Chilwell as a wing back is a different kettle of fish. He gets into the box, um, is very effective in the final third. So for me, it's about what Chelsea are looking to do long term. Do they really want Chilwell and DeMarco competing for the same wing back role? I'd argue not. Whereas at City, that would give Pep the flexibility to play three centre backs. Let's say it's John Stones, Ruben Diaz, Nathan Ake are the three that are playing. DeMarco on paper would be the left back, but because they're so dominant, he's essentially playing left wing back, left midfield, tucking infield. He'd be much better suited to them, I would think, just because of how good City are and the players that they've got at their disposal. But because it doesn't make sense for Chelsea, maybe that's why that probably will happen, right? <laughs> that's how they tend it's, to operate these days. And I say, if they do lose Ian Matson, one of the teams he could end up at is Manchester City. Oh, lovely way to end the show. Lovely stuff. Anyway, we will move on from there. Until next time, this has been Talking Transfers. Plenty. We always go too long. Always. 52 minutes. Good grief. Anyway, we thought this one would be done within 40 today, but we just rabbit on a bit too much. Hope you've enjoyed it anyway, if you've stuck with us for this long. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders at Graham Bailey and at Toby underscore Cudworth, 90min.com for all the latest, 90min.com forward slash talking transfers for all the latest transfer news from the team and at 90min underscore football for the social medias. I believe we're as that on Instagram, Twitter as well, if, or X if you want to follow us there anyway toby graham thanks very much until next time everyone this has been talking transfers thanks for listening and see you soon for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.